Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And a Buffalo on the right shot. And it just went in behind. Scooped up the center ice. And on the wing was Rasmussen. gentlemen to episode 35 of two goalies one mike i'm johnny cullen alongside Dwayne steinell and in today's episode we are going to be recapping uh the up and down roller coaster that it was of sabers free agency obviously Dwayne being capped off by the big signing uh maybe even the biggest signing in all of the nhl uh for this free agency period with taylor hall um my ex-sworn arch nemesis um uh, but now i am the biggest Taylor Hall fan. My brother joked that he's going to give me a Taylor Hall jersey for Christmas. Dwayne, how the hell are you? And how do you feel about the big move? Uh, ecstatic, Cully. Uh, I know we're almost a week out from it. Um, but listen, man, this is huge. You know, I was never a big Taylor Hall fan because I knew it was going to be a cost a lot to bring him here. Um, and, you know, he's come from a lot of losing cultures. But you know what? The idea of Taylor fucking Hall playing on the left side of Jack Eichel. Like that is an absolute wet dream, Cully, an absolute wet dream. And no matter who we slide in there on the right side, I think you're looking at potentially the best line in all of hockey next year. And uh, you know, it's definitely a big boost. And I think the one, one thing that sticks out to me is um, for any doubt about where he'll be playing. I think Ralph Kruger put that to bed by saying uh, in a recent interview, um, that it's going to be, I forget the wording he used, but he pretty much came out and said that um, Holland and Eichel will have, you know, first priority with each other. Yeah. Right? I think, I think you almost hit the nail on the head there. Um, 
It, oh, it was, uh, I'm reading right here, it was an overriding option of yep. the two of them playing together. Yeah. Stuffing so, overriding option. Gotta love that. I mean, for me, I I, I know you, you hate when I do this, but I had the chance to get to play against Hall, and the first time I played against him, Dwayne, was the under-18 World Championship. And at that point, I didn't know who anybody was, right? It wasn't like Lafreniere or like Crosby that we had the, or at least for us, we didn't know, I didn't know who this guy was. He had four goals in the Team USA Canada game, and that year in the OHL, the Windsor Spitfires were unbelievable. He was electric. Back-to-back Mem Cup MVPs, Dwayne. I hated him for a story I'll get into later, but he is an elite player, and the knock on the Sabres and Buffalo sports has been our inability to draw on those players. How will this, you know, how does this change that in in your mind? Um, You know, us getting a big signing like that. And you know what? It reminds me because you listen to these top hockey pundits and a lot of them use the words like surprise, shocked, you know, what's Hall doing? And, you know, kind of a kick in the, you know, backhanded compliment. A lot of them said that, um, you know, anonymous scouts came out and said, well, his big pitch was he wanted to win. Hall asked certain teams, you know, how, how soon do you think we'll be able to win? And then they come back at, well, why is he with Buffalo then? I think that you look back at the Sabres, we've talked about it a whole bunch here. What's prevented them from making the jump? We've seen bits and pieces and flashes. We go on these 10-game win streaks. You know, a couple months into the season, we're top in the conference. We're there, but then ultimately we're not. We fall short. And for all the hockey experts, you know, nobody's been able to pinpoint what's exactly wrong. Could a player like this be that X factor that we're missing? I I think it is, man. I mean, let's be be real. Look, one of the Sabres had – a line that like we talked about this before the show, the potential line combinations that we have, at least for your top six for next year, it's been a long time. It, we haven't had this type of potential since, you know, the mid two thousands when jury and Breer was a team. Like it, it's been a while. It's, um, it, yeah. It, it's been, it's been a long time. And even before then, man, like let, let's be real. We haven't had a player like Jack Eichel since LaFontaine. Like, you know, like a player who has the ability to put a team on his back by himself since then. And even back then, he had Mo Gilney for a big part of his career. Um, This is this is this is going to be very, very interesting, to say the least, Um, in terms of, you know, you know, you know, if he wants to win, then why is he up? Oh, screw off. Like, first off. Taylor Hall changes everything, if you ask me. Um, are there moves that still need to be made? Yes. I think you needed to make another another move on your blue line to bring more stability, to take some pressure off Dalene. And I think you could use another scoring winger, most specifically on the right side, and a, a legitimate right winger, not a guy who you hope can play on his off wing and you know fill it on the right side. So, um, and obviously, you know, the, the big glaring thing is definitely a, a backup goalie or a one B for Wal- for Olmark. Um, but from what Kruger says, that doesn't sound like they have many plans going forward about, uh, you know, replacing um, uh, Carter Hutton. Well, on that note, and I'm happy you brought it up because for me, we're going to find out more. We're going to touch on the arbitration rights for the three players that are up for it. We've already mentioned a couple of them. Allmark, Reinhardt, and Olofsson all up for arbitration. And in the back yeah. half of this episode, we're going to explore that. But, Dwayne, I think the Sabres are in a good spot, you know, judging off of what you said about um, Kruger's comments about the goaltending, you know, how he's pretty comfortable with Allmark and doesn't mention Hunt by name, but there's a couple good goalies still left out there. We, you know, we still don't know what Arizona's going to do with Car- uh, Cooper and Ranta. 
Um, you got yeah. a guy like Ryan Miller out there, Craig Anderson. Not saying that we'll go after any of them, but your options are open there if you want to upgrade. I think for the Sabres, it's more of a wait-and-see approach after the arbitration. Now, remember, and I know we'll get into this more, after we have a better idea of where we sit in the cap and our cap space after arbitration, we do have another buyout window. So although unlikely, there that could be another way for us to create some room. Going back it, it to the does. whole thing, real quick, you mentioned that um, you know possibly adding another right winger. We're going to touch on that. There was a great article on the Athletic, um, you know, touching on potential Sabers lines. I know me and you had a lot of fun with that going back and forth before the show. Um, but thinking about it, you have a guy like uh, Victor Olofsson that you know can play. Should be able to. Has been said that he can play both. Um, but for me, I think the point that you said, when's the last time that we've had, you know, an elite duo like Hall and Eichel? I think a lot of people tried to make it um, for Jack's first couple of years, him and Reinhardt. Nothing against Sam. He's just not that. He's not, you know, he's not going to take you six to midnight like Taylor Hall will. Right. Yeah, no. And you got a guy like uh, Jeff Skinner, God bless him. Um, and I think we, we overpaid for that. But at the end of the day, Jeff Skinner's a great player. He's not elite. He's not an MVP. Taylor Hall is coming in with a pedigree. He's a heart trophy player. Um, you know, the thing that, you know, I don't want to say scares me, but Taylor Hall's coming off one of his was worst years, right? You could plug into that, that he got traded from one bad team to, you know, an average team. And I think my argument to that going from only scoring six goals with New Jersey into Arizona and not really having success. So he had all had six goals in 30 games with New Jersey. I think that can be written not to make excuses for him, Dwayne, but I think that can be written off as New Jersey was a fucking tire fire this year. Right. Oh, they were bad. They were bad. When he got to Arizona, um, he, you know, he came in 10 goals, 27 points in 35 games. Not bad at all. Uh, especially for Not a team all, no. that Rick Tockett has playing more of a contained defensive style, right? There's nothing sexy about the way the Arizona plays. I think one of the things that appealed to Jack, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this, is reuniting with Ralph Kruger. I thought that was a really interesting element. Um, a lot of things that Kevin Adams said was, you know, they liked the person that he is. Um, here's a direct quote. I made it very clear to, you know, his agents that, you know, we want players who want to be here. We want players that are humble and hungry and they want to win and be a part of something special. For me, a lot of that's window dressing. A lot of that is, is stuff that you hear oh, all the times. But um, one thing that stuck out is it, it became, another quote, it became very, very clear quickly that Taylor had an interest in being here and being part of something special. And that's where we got to. That, I think, is a big part of that is Jack Eichel, the, the lure of playing with him, but also the Ralph Crew connection. How much of that do you think played a role? Well, I mean, Kruger even said that Friday, it was that Friday morning before the signing, Kruger reached out to Taylor and said, you know, can we have a, like a FaceTime or a Zoom call this morning, you know, the, you know, in a little bit. And Taylor accepted and they talked for like, a, I think like over an hour or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, man, he sold him on Buffalo as best he could and sold him on himself. I mean, you don't really have to sell much on Jack Eichel. Jack, you, everyone knows how good Jack, a player Jack is and the appeal of playing on his left side. But, you know, you got to sell him on Buffalo and what's being done here. And um, before the Taylor Hall signing, you know, I was very indifferent about the moves that were being made. I think um, it's a light way of I was very, was yeah, very indifferent. Was I, I was heated. I was very heated. I saw comparables and then 
you know, obviously the first signing the Buffalo makes was the Gergenson signing. And that was a head scratcher. If you ask me, it really was uh, again, especially when you look at the comparables and I, you know, people look at a $2.2 million, uh, you know, per, per year. It's like, well, that's not a lot of money for Gergenson. You know, he, you know, he's a former first round pick, blah, blah. Yeah. You know what? But it's a flat cap. It's a flat cap. It's not going up and it could go down next year. We don't know what's going to happen next, you know, the following year. Like, you know, we don't know how long COVID's going to be a thing. It could, this could drag on for a long time. Um, you know, the landscape of the world, not just the country, but the world has changed because of this. And, you know, for all we know, we could be looking at a cap that goes down a couple million the following year. So then you have two, two and a, two, almost two and a half million, uh, uh, you know, committed to a guy who, you know, maybe, again, to his comparables, isn't worth that. And then, you know, you have trouble fitting in a player here or there. You know, you got to find a way to move around a million dollars here and a million dollars there to fit this guy under the cap. You know, it all adds up. It really does. Um, so, um, you know, and now we like you like another thing, too, you know, arbitration is right around the corner. And we have two of our top six forwards going into arbitration and we don't know what they're going to get, what they're going to get awarded and how much longer. More specifically, Sam Reinhardt's going to be a Buffalo Saber. Uh, you make a good point. Um, I'd love to transition into uh, into that uh, arbitration. Uh, one thing I wanted to, to touch on, though, is I wanted to make sure we talked about um, Taylor Hall's connection with Kruger. I thought this was fascinating. Kruger um, only spent that lockout shortened year um, with with Halsey in Edmonton. Um, 2012-13, um, Hall put up 16 goals, 50 points, to rank in the top 10 in league scoring in 45 games. Um, and it wasn't Correct. just that. It was um, the way that he built a relationship with Taylor Hall. And to hear Taylor Hall talk about his time with Kruger, like when's the last time that we had a coach? When's the last time any team had a coach be a big deciding factor that talked about this much? I think that for as much as we've gotten it wrong with our, our front office, um, you know, the Pagulas have gotten it wrong in the front office. I've been a staunch Kruger supporter since I really got to know him, got to see how he does things. His communication with his players is, is, you know, something that I try to, you know, model my coaching after he's great at what he does. So I think I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up how much um, having Kruger here means, you know, to me as a Sabres fan, because finally we have a guy that's, you know, pulling players in and not driving players out. Right. You know, there was always some rumors about, O'Reilly and Kane not getting seen eye to eye with the coaching staff. Now we're, we're at the, the flip side of it. So good on them. One year, $8 million for Taylor Hall, hoping that he can get back to his MVP form. But doing the last notes about Hall, here's what I like about it. We don't get tied to long-term like we did with Ocposo. Or we exactly. might see with Trainer down the line. If it works out, hell, you know he's going to want to come back, right? And and you know what? Yep. If he doesn't, if everything goes up in flames, hell, we just got a, a really powerful trade piece, right? At the deadline. Yep. And not even not even at the deadline. What if it, you know, if it goes up in flames, we're halfway into the season. It's like, God, man, we got we to get rid of this guy. You know, he's not, it's not, it's not working out. Um, I don't foresee that happening. I, I'm more optimistic than others. Like, you know, you, you look at what were the biggest issues of this team uh, last season, Cully. It was definitely bottom nine scoring. There, it was non-existent. Adding Taylor Hall to this lineup really does spread out that scoring now. Well, um, it gives us options. It gives us options. I want so many to, options. 
I wanted to get to that in a second. I just wanted to breeze through some of the free agent signings. You mentioned Gergen since dig a little bit deeper on that. Listen, I, I, I know that at first you were opposed to it. I do think it's, it's, it's a bit much as far as money goes. Here's where I I've come to on this. I think that a lot of people were, were up in arms about Larson not being signed and Gergensen's being signed. I'm going to give, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to Kruger. All right. And, and Kevin Adams for his first move. And we'll see how it plays out. They know more than we do at what goes on in that locker room, right? If they sure. feel that Cody Eakin can replace the minutes that Lazar did, or I'm um, sorry, Larson did, then I'm going to trust him. I'm going to give him some time to, to see that through. All right. And I know it's easy to, to look at what he signed for. Was it Arizona? Uh, in Arizona, 1.2 a year. So, you know, we end up getting um, Cody Eakin, two-year, 4.5 million. So, obviously, we felt like that was an upgrade, right? And I, I, I hope it works I, I don't hate the Eakin signing. I don't okay. hate the Eakin signing. I think he's a good – I think he's definitely a very serviceable third-line center. Would I prefer to see him roll down to your fourth line, you know, to really spread things out and – bring in, you know, a better, like an Eric Holla. Like I, I, there are some guys out there that I'm really surprised haven't signed deals yet. Actually, maybe I shouldn't be surprised because this is a very unprecedented offseason, yeah. a very unprecedented free agency. And maybe some guys are just waiting out to just weigh their options. You know, we were up in arms, including myself, about Dominic Cahoon not being uh, made a qualifying offer. He's still available. I think that there isn't a, there are deals available out there for uh, Dominic Cahoon. But, you know, just like maybe a lot of other players, he's waiting to see how the, like the landscape of not just the the, the league, but the world is going to be, you know, you know, in the next coming months. Will the season start on time? You know, you want, you're not, you're not just deciding where you're going to play. You're deciding where you might essentially move your family and for how long. Um, those are big decisions to make, especially in the world as it is right now. So, you know, I, I look at that and am I surprised that some of these guys are inside? Yes and no. Um, one of the biggest names that are still glaring out there is obviously a guy like Mike Hoffman and guys like Anthony Duclair, Eric Kala, uh, you know, defensively uh, Hamannick. I'm surprised he hasn't been signed anywhere yet. I think he's a very solid second line defenseman. So, um, you know, with all that being said, you know, there are definitely still a lot of options out there available for you to see if the numbers work. Yeah. And uh, real quick, before we transition to the arbitration, um, Cody Eakin, you know, my only experience with him, he was on that Taylor Hall team, the U18 Canada team. He had his best year, um, playing, you know, in Vegas, I think with linemates like Alex Tuck and, um, don't know who the leather one was another big name. Um, but he's a guy that, um, put up 22 goal or 21 goals and, uh, you know, yeah, he had a good season. Yeah. Not, not going to blow you away. I think our goal is, can he get back to that? Uh, we're going to touch on it here in a minute, but the uh, one intriguing part about that athletic article about potential lineups, um, if we're able to spread it around in, in the emergence of a guy like Dylan Cousins, can, you know, Reinhardt or a Skinner or potentially an Olofsson, you know, be a, a line driver on that third line. That's something we haven't had at all. All right. You go from no. talking about guys like Connor Sheary, Evan Rodriguez. I think that's the biggest difference on this team is that you have the ability to maybe spread things out while still having a lethal top six. And if you have a good surprise in a Tage Thompson, a Dylan Cousins, a Casey Middlestat, I mean, fuck, you're looking at a really good deep roster. All right. Um, before Green. we move on to free agency, um, Tobias Reader, um, I played against him for a couple of years. He was with the Kitchener Rangers. 
Um, a speedy little prick, awesome on the penalty kill. He put up big numbers, you know, playing in the top line with Landis Cog and Kitchener. Obviously, he's not a top line guy in the National League. Um, but, you know, for value that we got him at, you know, he's a guy that I feel like a lot of people have been questioning, well, if we have these young guys that can play. Listen, our PK stunk last year, all right? It was fucking abysmal. Criminal could be yep. how bad they were, all right? Can he be a guy that helps turn that around? Yeah. Is Gergensen's, do I think that that plays a role in, in us re-signing him for the time that we did? Yeah. So um, besides Ryder, you know, you had Davidson, you had Irwin, some death signings. And the only other big one, Brandon Montour, uh, one one year, 3.85. What are your thoughts on those? Anything stick out to you before we move out? Of I think I think the Montour deal is more of like a prove-it deal. You know, get back to where you were when you were playing, you know, with uh, was, was it Vegas or was it Anaheim? Anaheim. Vegas, right? It was Anaheim. It's Anaheim. Sorry, I apologize. Anaheim. But, you know, get back to – Colin Miller uh, was Vegas, sorry. Um, but, you know, get back to where, the level you were playing at uh, when you were with Anaheim. Um, and, you know, injuries did play into that for him too as well. But, you know what, the, before we, you know, get into that, Cully, I think the biggest difference is it's just now we, for the first time, you know, since losing O'Reilly, we have four legit centers on this team, guys who play center. You're not interchanging wingers to play center and hoping it works. You have Eichel, Stahl, Eakin, Lazar, four legitimate center. And I look at I look at you know some of these possible line combinations. There's one guy that keeps on for me at least being the odd man out. You know who that is? Who? Casey Middlestaff. Yeah, and um, you're not wrong there. Um, it's it's tough for me to see what um, you know where he's going to fit. Um, and, and, what, and what bugs me too is one of the biggest things on Casey has been, com, you know, his, his lack of commitment, at least maybe off the ice and in the weight room. And I, I started looking at it as best I could because, you know, some of these players, they're very, you know, they're very private with their lives on social media. They don't really post a lot of pictures. I went and tried to find a picture of Casey and I found on his Instagram account, uh, very end of July, that kid is still a twig at the end of July. I hope. I hope he's committed himself from here on out to get you know to, to bump up his weight because you've all seen that picture of Rasmus Dahlin playing ping pong in somebody's backyard. He's on he some Ivan like Dra- Ivan Drago. Drago, exactly. He's on some Ivan Drago shit, man. That guy put it. Well, how many pounds? Like, it looks like he's put out about twenty to twenty-five pounds of muscle. The only thing like, that I hope is that he's still a dynamic skater and doesn't lose oh, some of that. And I'm sure those he will. Calves, be. Those calves are enormous. The thighs are enormous. The guy, he's got tree trunks attached to his body. Dwayne's it's insane. Blood right now. I love it. Oh, oh my blood is flowing. Like you said, like Cully, <laughs> like Cully says, man, six to midnight in a hurry. Oh. But, you know, and then I look at Casey Middlestat, a guy who came into the league a full year before, an eighth overall pick. Like, buddy, like, buddy, you're already on the outside looking in. I, I, we haven't, I haven't seen anything from him. Again, since that pick, it was like a, like a picture at a wedding. Yeah, end of July. I got a plan, Dwayne. I got a plan. I hope. What do you got? What's your plan? Hear me out. So I'm going to get some HGA. I'm going to put together a cocktail, get a chemist to give me some HGH, maybe some Anivar, um, you know, a nice steroid concoction. Uh, Me and you are going to set it up. We're going to, you know, maybe stake out the Harbor Center. Um, We're going to get in the lot in the elevator with uh, Casey Middlestat. You're going to come in next. I'm already going to be in there in the back. Um, You're going to kind of bump into Middlestat. So, you know, there's some commotion. I'm going to prick him with the needle. Okay. Two possible, two possible outcomes. 
he either, you know, juices up, gets going, and, you know, he becomes a good an NHL athlete, or, you know, they Horrible piss test him, they piss test him, <laughs> and, gas, and he's out. And that answers the t- case. Or, or third option. Or third option, we're caught and we're both arrested. It's fine. Yeah, you know what? I figured I'm going to end up in the penitentiary here sooner or later. Might as well it's, go down it, fighting for my team. You just hope that the commitment is there on the side of Casey Middlestat. Like I said, I know it was just at the end of July. Um, you you oh, hope it, that it, it, he's not that. That's been – it hasn't been a lack of talent or skill, all right? It's been – he, he wasn't able to be consistent at the national level, wasn't able to play in the defensive zone because he was getting muscled Got off. Knocked off the, exactly. Yeah. It's knocked off pucks way too easily, you know. And as of right now, I don't disagree with him being the odd man out. I do put Tage Thompson ahead of him just because of size alone. And, you know, when Tage did go down to the AHL level, I mean, that's another deal I was a little critical about, 1.75 a year. Um, I know it's not a lot of money for a for, former for first-round pick. But again, this, these are times where you have to pinch pennies, um, especially when you got big contracts out there already. Um, but, you know, Tage Thompson, just with his body size alone and that release and that shot, I do put him above Casey Middlestat. And again, you, you brought him up, Tobias Reeder. You, you don't bring him in, you know, on a one-way deal unless you plan on using him. Yeah, he might be a healthy scratch here or there. But, you know, at this point, I think he makes this lineup over Casey. Casey's got to fight to get into this, to get on, to, to get a spot on that final line. Like yeah, he's got to fight. And, and that's the way it should be. Every good team I've ever been a part of had that healthy competition, you know, guys fighting for jobs. At the end of the day, they're your brothers that you go to war with, but it's going to be a, a, a big prove it year for some certain guys to sneak out of that roster. What I like about this, and I always fuck up his name, but um, our two Roostalainen. Oh, you just stole it out of my mouth, man. You just man, stole it out of my mouth. You know, really sharp playing on the first line there and Ives in the Finnish league. Yeah. Uh, two goals in the first four games. He looks great. You know, he has the edge up on a lot of these guys because the fucking guy's playing hockey right now. All right. So, you know, you talk about, you know, he's a young guy. You don't need to worry about, you know, the burnout of, of you know, playing one season into the other. We're not going to start until probably January. But you look at – um. Look at the depth. You got guys like Rasmus Asplund, Casey Middlestat, Tage Thompson, Artur Rustalainen. <laughs> I'm sorry, I butchered that. You know, Tobias Ryder, um, all these guys fighting for lineup spots. Because you got to look at this. Here, let me go through this. Guys that have an automatic roster spot or, you know, a spot on the, on the team. Taylor Hall, Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhart, Jeff Skinner, Eric Stahl, Victor Olofsson, Zemgis Gergensen, Cody Eakin, Kyle Akposo, Curtis Lazar. Well, no, you know what? Let, let's let's put those those nine that I just listed are in. Then you have, you know, within this group, uh, I'm going to say of seven guys for four or five spots. Tobias Reiter, Tobias Reeder, Curtis Lazar, Dylan Cousins, Rasmus Asplund, Casey Middlestad, Tage Thompson, Archie Ristolainen. Who do you have out of those? What five out of those seven? Or, uh, easier or who's the two odd men out in a perfect world for you, Dwayne? Out of those seven? Um Who's out? You know, I, I don't like saying R2 Rustalainen, um, because I like him a lot. I think I think Casey's out. Um and I think Asplund has earned his chance in the NHL. So I think I, I would include him in the I think I would give him a shot. I would say Casey and R2, and not because R2 doesn't deserve it or isn't earning it. I just think he needs probably another year of development. 
And I'm okay with that. I, it's probably online with what I'm thinking, but here's my thing. If we can be, you know, healthily surprised by one of them two jumping up, that's a fucking good thing. That's something we're not yeah. used to. And you look at any team that's had success here as of late, they have contributors on entry-level deals that weren't like consensus picks. We all expect the only cousins to come in and do well. Right. Or at least, you know, Correct. be the guy that we see, you know, potential in, but it's teams that get contributions from a, uh, Erasmus Asplund, you know, and R2 Ristolain and guys like that to find a way to fight their way out of the lineup and, and contribute. That's what's going to push this team over the edge, you know, when we finally address these other needs. Um, I really like it. Um, on that note, before we get into the arbitration, I really recommend anybody that hasn't read this article to take a look. Uh, John Vogel did it on the 13th. Uh, draw the lines and look at how the Sabre forwards may stack up really in-depth read i'm not doing it justice just by talking about it but you know he he put in his time um he goes through a bunch of different factors you know going through some balanced attack looks um you know a speed lineup you know what if casey's back um what if cousins doesn't find a way to get in the lineup um the youth brigade uh one if money doesn't matter which it does um and then one where hall isn't with Eichel. he did a fantastic job all right. Um, oh, it's an unbelievable article. On that article that you want to bring up? Um, one thing I do, like, I know there's been a lot of speculation, too, about, uh, you know, because he is, he, he does talk with a lot of swagger, uh, you know, after getting drafted, the potential of Jack Quinn being the one that makes that jump. I don't see it personally. I think uh, after interviewing before the draft, I know, Cole, you were part of that episode, but, uh, Andre Torini, the uh, head coach of the Ottawa 67s, um, you know, I, you know, me and Conzi, we were, you know, a lot of people were kind of up in arms at the fact that both Marco Rossi and Cole Perfetti were both there at eight. The Sabres passed up on him for Jack Quinn. And I was one of those guys that was upset. I won't, I won't deny that. But um, also during the interview, though, you know, Torini did speak very highly about Jack and uh, his potential to be a, a very, an, be a goal scoring winger at an elite level in the NHL at some point. And I personally, when it comes to that question, you know, could Jack Quinn make the jump into the NHL next year? Um, I say absolutely not. Um, not because I don't think he has that ability. It's because I would rather him develop more under Andre Torini in Ottawa uh, for one more season. Because when you look at Torini's resume, uh, the guy has seasoned. He's coached at the NHL level, junior world junior level. He coached Team Canada's uh, World Junior Team, um, you know, and not to mention, you know, you know his stints with both Ottawa and Colorado at the NHL level. So, you know, I couldn't think of a better guy in the OHL to, you know, develop a young goal-scoring winger more than Torini. So I just, you know, any questions of that and him possibly making the jump, I just, you know, completely out the window. Let him develop one more year in the O, you know, you know, you know, work in the weight room a little bit more, get his body ready for the NHL. Uh, you know, and the, again, I've already, I've already addressed it too. Just um, the lack of Casey Middlestat's involvement in a lot of these lines. And it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you go back two, three years ago, uh, two years ago, sorry. And, and you, you know, having this conversation, we'd be like, well, what the fuck happened? Did he, you know, break his back? Did, you know, do you have some devastating injury? No. Didn't have the will to, to make himself an everyday NHL guy by doing the right things away from the rink. For any young players listening, you know what? The difference at that level 
isn't the ability, you know, isn't, isn't much physical ability. It's, it's your ability to, to hold yourself accountable and have that discipline to, to be in the best shape of your life and to put yourself in a position to succeed. And I don't think Casey's done that. So, um, not at all. Not- give, that, give that article a read. Great article. Uh, John Vogel does a really great job there. Really fat. Any Sabres fan is going to have a, you know, a field day with that one. It's, it's a fun read. Yeah. And not to mention just one last note on that is, you know, you would hope that bringing a guy like Eric Stahl into that locker room, who's had the amount of success he's had, you know, potentially a future hall of famer. I think he's in the hall of fame. Um, just uh, you would think that if Casey is going to make this team and be in that locker room that, you know, on the left side of Eric Stahl, you have Casey on one side and Dylan Cousins on the other. Um, just let them let, let, let a guy like Eric just for the year, just rub off as much on that, on those young and that young talent as much as he possibly can and show him what it's, what it, what it takes, not just to win on the ice, but off the ice, uh, you know, in the weight room, you know, nutrition, dieting, you know, you know, what you need to do away from the ring, maybe how to handle media, you know, just, just everything he could possibly rub off on those two, man. That's exactly where you stick the both of them on each side of Eric Stahl in that locker room. And I think that uh, one thing in that final note, I'm really excited to see what Tage Thompson brings to the table. Um, you know, outside of Eichel and, and uh, Rasmus Dahlin, you know, we haven't had a lot of guys transition in their first year and have a lot of success. Uh, but, you know, Cousins, you know, excelled last year at the World Juniors, had a good WHL season, uh, nothing but positive reports. So really looking forward to that. I uh, wish we weren't living in a COVID time so me and you could sneak into some some training camp practices. But, you know, I'm sure yeah. we'll, the media will do a good job keeping us filled in. Um, I hope so. Moving on to uh, arbitration. So something about arbitration, you know, I didn't really understand it as a player. Obviously, we didn't have arbitration in the O, but, um, you know, never really understood it, even as a fan. Um, dug more into it the past couple of years, and I'll get into that in a minute, but it really affects us this year. And it's starting, uh, it's scheduled to kick off in a week um, from tomorrow. Omar is scheduled to lead off the 26th of October. Reinhardt slotted in to go the 27th that next day. And then almost a week and a half later, you'll have Olofsson close out the run on November 4th. All right. And, and for those that aren't familiar with it, a real quick synopsis. It's almost like uh, two sides and, and, you know, there's an arbitrator, the, the, the team comes, uh, the eight player agent comes with the player and it's like a hearing, right? You have negotiations, you're able to present evidence, um, evidence being um, from the team side, they're going to present, well, both sides will present comparable players and what they got, what they were awarded. And it's interesting how analytics can uh, play a part in this now. And we see, uh, you know, a boom in that area and um, you know, more NHL teams using it. The sides can present the following statistical evidence, players, overall performance, including official NHL stats for offense and defense, the number of games played by the player, plus injuries and illnesses and games missed for those, the length of service in the league and with the club, the overall contribution of the player to the competitive success or failure of his club in the preceding season. Now that's an interesting one because there's some leeway there and maybe that'll work for the Sabres because yeah, I think it will. Success. So also finishing it up, any special qualities of leadership or public appeal. And I don't think that's going to be a big one with these three guys. Um, maybe their agents are going to you know, say otherwise, but they wouldn't be doing their job if they didn't. And lastly, the overall performance of any players who are alleged to be comparable. So that's a big one, right? And I thought it'd be interesting, you know, to kick off with Sam Reinhart. We've talked a lot, uh, me and you have about, you know, 
not wanting to pay him, you know, above six, six and a half. Um, here's the list of comparables um, listed right here. You got Martin Erat, whose um, adjusted cap was 7.29. He's at the top. Daniel Sedin, um, 6.6 million. Justin Williams, 6.5. Dylan Larkin, 6.25. Joffrey Lupul, 6.1. Bo Horvat, just under six. Derek Broussard, just under six. Andrew Ladd at 5.5. Travis Konechny at 5.5. And Victor Arvison at 4.6. All of them are, you know, in that range. Um, out of that list, Andrew Ladd is probably the closest comparable, Dwayne. Uh, at 400 games, Reinhardt's had 255 points at age 24. And Ladd was 25 by the time he had 400 games, and he had also 255 points. So when you look at that, Ladd came in at a 5.5 million. Would love to see the Sabres lock up Sam for that. Uh, before we go any further, so if um, – if the Sabres sign or if any of the um, for the, for the arbitration, um, the walkaway rights, the collective bargaining agreement allows teams to decline any one year award. If it's over 4.5 million a season, I think for Olofsson and Allmark, I don't think that'll play a factor, but the Sabres will have the, it's safe to say that Reinhardt will be awarded more than 4.5, right, Dwayne? I mean, absolutely. And even with, I know it's RFAs are different than UFAs, but again, you look at this off season and some, what some of these UFAs have been getting paid uh, like Dan and off, you know, 5 million a year. Um, I, I, I just have trouble definitely seeing Reinhardt get anything less than five and a half. I agree. So it's the Sabres will have the option to opt out if they offer him a one year, um, if they decide to arbitrate for one year. The teams have the option between a one-year or a two-year um, arbitration. Now, if it's a two-year deal, if it's awarded, teams can walk away the second season, but no matter what, they have to accept that first year. So um, let me ask you this, Dwayne. With that being in mind, with Reinhardt, are you going for a one- or a two-year deal? I mean, it really depends on what the arbitrator, I guess, awards. I mean, I would say you go for the two-year just because you can then have the option of, you know, walking away after the second year because it really, you know, there's a lot of question marks around Sam, you know, it's a really, for me, it depends on where you slot him as a lineup. So let's say, I think a two year thing, two year deal wouldn't be a bad option because you could see how well he, you know, succeeds. If you do decide to play him away from that first line away from Michael, how well he can play without having Jack, you know, at center, if he can prove that he can play and still be the same player on a second or third line role, then yeah, absolutely. You, you sign him that second year qualifier, hundred percent. It's just going to be really interesting, um, especially with those comparables. Um, you know, Borhovac comes to mind too. He's right in that that yep. range, um, and you know, he came in at just under six million. I'd be fine with that. You know, um, it's players that um, you know that it doesn't really scare me that much. The only one that only comparable that gets up in that is the Martin Erat. And that was signed, um, you know, I think six or seven years ago. And uh, it's it's the way that, you know, the cap was climbing and they do it in a percentage form. It gets kind of confusing at that rate. But um, one other interesting comparable is Dylan Larkin. And he's at 6.25. Um, you know, he's right in that range. I, I, I like it. I like Larkin. Um, I just think I like that, him more than I like Reinhardt. Yeah, but you know what? I think Reinhardt brings something to the team that, you know, he's been with us for a while. I hate to get fucking, you know, touchy feely on it, but 
I think he's a part of this group. He's one of Jack's best friends. And I know you don't go into this business making, you know, deals with friends. He does a lot for us. He's a solid player. He's going to be a top six guy like we talked about. But I think he's the type of team guy, and I could be wrong here. Let's just say that we do go for a more balanced attack and put him on that third line to drive. Fuck, Sam still has the ability to play center, not in the top six. I think that if he's your third line, and I know that probably won't happen. It'd probably be it. If he does go to the third line as a right wing, fuck, Dwayne, that could be a good problem to have. I think he's the type of player that might be okay with that. He wants to win. Um, him and Jack can still go tip to tip on the road trips, you know, and dock each other. Yeah. But um, <laughs> no, I, um, I'm terrible. Um, what are you hoping to see here yeah, with Reinhardt? Yeah. And uh, before we move on to the other two, and uh, you know, best case, worst case. You know, I'm indifferent when it comes to Sam Reinhardt or Samson Reinhardt. Um, I like the I like the player. I think he has a high hockey IQ. I know people like to dread on that draft and what could have been. Leon Dreisaitl was taken right after. Listen, we can't live in the past. It is what it is. Um, but you do have a second overall player or second second overall pick player in Sam Reinhardt who has yet to crack like the 70-point plateau in his career. And a lot of that time he has played next to Jack Eichel. You know, I would say for 80% of his career, he has had Jack Eichel as a center. So, you know, to pay him big money, um, if he wants over $7 million a year, it's really, really tough for me to justify that because, again, of the, the, the way the world is right now, you know, the instability of the salary cap. Um, but, you know, you can't take away from his playmaking ability, his work around the net, his work ethic, and his high hockey IQ. But again, you know, devil's at you. If you want to play devil's advocate with that, the best thing you really can say about Sam Reinhardt is his hockey IQ. And to me, that is a little bit frustrating because he is a second overall pick and it isn't his skill, his skill set that really sets him apart from a lot of the other players on this team. Yeah. And you go back to that 2014 draft, Wayne. The Sabres taking Reinhardt second overall missed on Leon Dreisaitl by one pick. They missed yeah. on, you know, I don't want to say missed on William Nylander. I think that I, I would rather have Sam over Nylander. I could be wrong there. Nikolai Ehlers went uh, at nine. Uh, Dylan Larkin at 15. And the one that sticks out, fucking David Pasternak at 25 with 379 points in similar game span. Now, I don't want to go off on a tangent there. Um but it's just interesting to take a look at what could have been there. Right. So um, has he been a, on your note? Has he been a guy that is really, you know, jumped off the page? No. Um, other teams missed in that draft too. Just interesting to go back in time and look at that. All right. I would be happy, you know, with a 5.75 uh, over two years. I think it'll probably be realistic closer to six um, going forward into um, all Mark. Now, the goalie in me doesn't love how he plays. He plays a big blocking style, but he plays it effectively because he has the size and the lateral quickness to make it work. Um, I think we saw him get beat over using the, the reverse VH on the post a little bit too much um, yeah. for being a big guy that should be able to seal that pretty well. Um, I don't know if that goes back to his hip injuries or what, but I'd like to see him be a little bit more consistent um, in that area. Now um, the, the comparables for him are, are fascinating because I'll just list them off. Devin Dubnik with a 4.75 hit. Michael Newbert, Nuver at 3 million. Jonas Corposalo at 2.8. Uh, Alexis Gorgiev from uh, New York at 2.5. Jonas Gustafson at 2 million. Darcy Cooper at 175. Philip Grubar at 163. 
Now, it's a lot harder with the goalies to pin down where he sits, right? His agents um, his agents are going to be trying to compare him in, in arbitration to Dubnik in Nuvero, trying to get into that three, four, four and a half million dollar range. I think that would be fucking crazy. I think that he's good. I don't think that he's proved that. I think he's a two. I think he's a two and a half to three million dollar goalie right now. Agreed. I think the Rangers were smart. They uh, before they avoided arbitration with uh, Gorgiev, um, and they locked him up for a two year deal at two point five. That deal's looking smarter and smarter because he's shown brightly uh, in New York before he uh, he got injured there. Um, yep, and, and and you know what? I think if the Sabers would have offered him say a two year deal at two and a half per for five or maybe five and a half. I, th- I think old Mark would have been hard pressed to say no. You never know. You know what? This is where I'd love to be a fly in the wall for these. It's, been tough for me to know. it's a no, I, I don't think he would, but he's not the one answering. It's a lot of times it's the agent saying, well, fuck that. Yeah. We're going to get more in arbitration. If your agent came to you and said, Hey, you know, you're passing up a million dollars over two years right now by not going to arbitration. What would you say? No, you're not arbitration. Right. So I think you're going to arbitration. That's where I'd love to know what these agents are telling these guys. So um, Allmark save percentage is at 9.11. Not great, not terrible. Um, you'd like to see that, you know, I think if you're at 920, you're going to be a playoff team, right? You're going to be a playoff well, goalie. Well, you would, you would hope so. I mean, I mean, you, there are playoff, there are goalies that, you know, didn't make the playoff this year even after the playing round that did have a 920 save percentage. But with that being said, you have to imagine, you have to imagine just because your puck possession numbers are going to go up now that you have Taylor Hall, because they are, you know, he is a puck possession player. He's a player that likes to drive the play as well, just like Jack. Um, You have to imagine that the Sabres are going to have the puck a little bit more often this season. So that is going to help, you know, your goaltender immensely. Your goaltender immensely there. Even if we haven't really done anything on the blue line yet. You're gonna you're gonna help your goaltender by having the puck on your stick more often. Absolutely. Um, and the last bit, bit bit I'll say is it'd be real interesting to, to hear what both sides bring to the table in there. Like I said, I think that his agents are gonna argue, you know, that he should be deserving of a Dubnik uh, deal. I think that, like I said, Georgiev deal, which was just signed last Thursday, um, to avoid arbitration is is probably the ballpark that you want to look at. Two point five. Um, but the Sabres do have some ammunition in that he did miss time with injury, right? He missed 18 mm-hmm. games last year with a lower body air, a, injury. Correct. Um, and, and I think that, you know, his, his camp, uh, all Mark's camp will point out that he pretty much stole the starting job when he was healthy from Carter Hutton. Right. So he did. He real did. Interesting to see. I think anything over 3 million in the Sabres are kind of fucking put in a tough spot there. Um, yeah, And you know what? I think if, if, if it does get into that area, you know, even like a four, I think it'd be crazy if they, they, they the arbitrator said 4 million, I, you absolutely walk away from that at 4 million, hundred percent. You walk away, walk away. Um, it's 4.5. Oh yeah, that's right. You can't. Oh, well, it's fucking Shoot. tough. Right. You see what I'm getting at here? Yeah. You, you, so you gotta, you gotta, you gotta hope that it's on Is your- it? You gotta hope that it's well, yeah. or above 4.5, right? Because if it's above 4.5, yeah. um, then you can walk away. But if it's under, 5, I, I can't see Omar being over 4.5 though. It, it, that's insane. Yeah. But here's the fucked that's up part. Insane. We've seen some, especially with goalies, we've seen some fucking weird arbitration rulings, bro. That's why I don't like getting it to this point. Like you said, if if it was offered at 2.5 over two years, um, if I was agent, I'm saying fucking no, just because he couldn't get it. I don't think he will. I hope he doesn't, but like I said. It's so a- in arbitration, 
the, the Sabres, if they don't want it at all, like they, they, they get off, like, like you, so do you have to be for arbitration? Do you once have to, to agree? Point, once it gets to this point, Dwayne, once the arbitrator rules, if, if it's the one year, we have to take it unless it's over 4.5. If he deals, if they say it's over 4.5 for any player, then we can walk away from it. Okay. If it's what if under you do the 4. two year? five, we have to do it. What if you do the two year? Two year, Same we thing? have to do the first year. We can walk away from the second year. Okay, that's right. Yes, yep. Yeah. yeah, that's a tough spot, man. Right. Um, because I, I was gonna say, if an arbitrator is gonna offer him like four million dollars, I would say screw that. Go do what you got to do. Make a deal that's to bring why in you, Kemper. That's why you try to do this beforehand, so it's in your hands. The one thing today is once it gets to the arbitrator, it's out of both the team and the players' hands, right? So it, right. Could, get, it could get dicey. I look forward to, you know, revisiting this next episode. The last one we got, probably the trickiest, is Victor Olofsson, right? Only 44 rookies have scored 20 goals in the past decade, Dwayne. So it's it's not hard to find his comparables, all right? Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's the only hard part is here. He missed 15 games. So instead of looking, you know, at goals or points, we're going to be looking at points per game comparables. Yanni Gord, Andre Palat, Dominic Kulubic, and Andreas Johnson. All right. They all come in at that, that average. Um, actually, Yanni Gord's almost a perfect match. Um, they're at 0.78 points per game. Uh, Olofsson has, you know, 0.37 goals per game. Gord is 0.3, so he's got the edge there. But Gord's got the edge of 0.48 assists per game, while Olofsson's at 0.41. Um, other than that, Pilat is at 0.73 points per game. So they, they kind of fall off, fall off. Um, so the lightning did the smart thing instead of letting Gord get to arbitration, they locked him up on a six year, $31 million deal. That's about 5 million per, right? Correct. So I think that, you know, fuck, like he could easily get that Dwayne. I think he could. I think the deal that he's going to get, is going to be similar to the Kubelik deal. That, that Chicago gave Kubelik. Um, I think that's a great comparable. 3.7, so I, yeah, I think that works. Yep, 3.7. How would you I think he will somewhere in between there, in between three, seven and five, let's just say it's four, four, four. So they can't walk away. from. I like, sign him. I sign him at four, 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 six. So they could walk away from it. I still think you fucking sign him. You sign him. Absolutely. I yeah. think anything, anything under, under five and a half, you sign him just because you, you, you like, I, I know I, I don't like to try and talk about other like other you know podcasts all the time, but you know remember when Jack was interviewed on Spit and Chicklets, um, he flat out said this guy when he was talking to his dad about Olafson, he goes, "This guy can score forty in his sleep, like that's how good he is." So and I and I we, we've seen it. The, he has one of the purest, most effortless releases in the entire league. I mean, there's almost no wind up to it. It's insanity. So. I don't think you just let a guy go like a guy with that much potential go, especially when he could really, really rack up a ton of points on your power play. Um, you don't let that guy walk over a million or a million and a half. You, you, you bite, you bite the bullet, especially with his age and you sign him. I think so too. I think so too. It's going to be interesting to see the way it all shakes out, Dwayne. It's a, it's, you know what gives us something to look forward to in the back half of October, early November. Um, if you add up all those ballpark numbers we just threw at you, the Sabres come at all the three of those come in at 12.2, adding that to where the Sabres are at, you're just under the 81 and a half million dollar cap at eight, 
80.9 million. Um, and then you have to factor in the bonuses that could be available to Darlene and cousins. Um, that would, uh, you know, put us at a second straight cap overage. So hopefully we come in lower than 12.2 for all three. But like you said, like we said, it gets to arbitration. It's out of everybody's hands. All right, before we finish up, Dwayne, perhaps the most audacious move of the week, the past couple weeks, is your friend Steve Dangle of Leafs, you know, fame, and um, his counterpart, Alish Fofar, um, had a – I'm going to say a criminal take. Um, it was, they, well, first of all, the video that they had, they put out, um, you know, ripping Taylor Hall for coming here. We texted about it. I think that the fact that they didn't mention the appeal of Jack playing. Oh, uh, God. Jack is criminally ignorant for a hockey reporter. And I want to make sure that it comes. Can we, can we play that? As we segue into one of the most outrageous out of the blue moments from the weekend, I'm gonna bring in uh, a comment from Corey, who set this up perfectly. How is Taylor Hall not publicly laughed at for quoting he wants to win and then signing with the Buffalo Sabres? I can't figure out his logic, can you? So where to begin? I have one friend who knows that is watching that loves the Buffalo Sabres. My best friend's boyfriend, Mitch, is still not recovered from this weekend. I texted them as soon as I found out about Taylor Hall and it was just like word vomit, like <laughs> shock and awe from an actual Buffalo Sabres fan. They do exist. I know one, Mitch, but I don't, I don't even, if you would have given me like money to bet, it would never have went on the Buffalo Sabres. So this weekend, this happening, Obviously, he's trying to bet on himself. We get that. Uh, you know, that's clearly the case here. But he did say he wants to go somewhere where he can win. He said that. So it just, it's just funny almost. It's kind of sad. But everyone's saying, oh, him and Eichel, like, put some respect on Buffalo. They're going to win this year. I'm like, oh, my God, I don't think that's the case. Sorry. Sorry to Mitch. But, yeah. I don't know. Shocker. <laughs> if you're a Buffalo Sabres fan, all Taylor Hall does is screw you out of the lottery pick. Uh, really? Well, I guess every team is in the lottery now. Uh, there he is on the Coyotes, a team he will never be remembered for playing for. I literally had to, for a second, I was like, what team is that? Oh, right. He was on the Arizona Coyotes for the hottest of minutes. Uh, I'm just surprised the producers were able to find goals for this pack. This is already more goals than I thought he scored with the Coyotes. And I'm not calling Taylor it's Hall the a same player. goal from different angles. Like mine. <laughs> from from Hall's perspective, the logic makes sense. Uh, he, you know, one year, eight mil. He he made a good point. He's like, I make eight million dollars to play hockey. Yeah. Like it's it's not a bad life. Uh, this was supposed to be his year to cash in, his summer to cash in in the fall. Um, obviously, COVID hit and it screwed a lot of people out of a lot of money, and uh, he was one of them. So he's taken a one-year bet on yourself thing. If I have a bounce back year from what I had last year, maybe teams will have more money as well. I'll have higher value. I can go out and get it. The logic is there. It all makes sense. There's a ton of ifs. And in terms of going somewhere to win, um, maybe we should have let him finish his sentence uh, so that he could have said at the deadline because <laughs> yeah. uh, there's no way – this, I mean, the Sabres could make the playoffs. Stranger things have happened, but um, I doubt it. The worst thing that could possibly happen is he has a down year and the Sabres miss the playoffs by one to five points. Mm -hmm. 
You know what I mean? They need yep. to, he needs to do well and they need to stink. That'd be the perfect scenario for him. It would be. Yeah. <laughs> do you think, so I know you mentioned COVID being an issue, obviously not many teams had $8 million sitting around to give away to a one-year deal. But, you know, what is it that he, he said that, oh, I respect the coach. I see young elite talent in Buffalo. I see that the coach, you know, can cultivate that talent. Great owners. He said all this stuff. And I was like, are we talking about Buff Buffalo? We're still talking about Buffalo, right? So I don't know if he's been brainwashed or he's just trying to come in with a really good positive energy, but it's going to be quite interesting to see how this happens because we've seen players lose their love of hockey when they played in Buffalo. Um, so we're hoping that that doesn't happen for Taylor Hall. Um, yeah, someone Listen. says, poor, poor Mitch, my friend. Yeah, I know. I agree. <laughs> oh, and Dwayne, the, the famous Buffalo uh, caller who calls into the radio and loses his oh. mind. Uh, uh, Listen, Taylor Hall. Former MVP, dirty, dirty liar. <laughs> Both those things can be used to describe. I know he likes Ralph Kruger, so I do believe that's legitimate. Okay. But in terms of, listen, I'd compliment them too if they gave me eight million bucks. Put it that way. And there you go, folks. That, that's that's what we had to deal with. Um, I got that text on a Thursday night from Dwayne driving back from hockey, and I was, I was fired up. I was I was fired up, man. Listen, Steve, I I love you, buddy. I absolutely love you. You had me on your show after the rant back on on the day of Super Bowl Sunday. You know, you let you gave me the stage. I talked a lot. You said, "Dude, let me tell you, you should get your own podcast." Well, here I am. I got my podcast. Well, you know what, man? You guys can screw off. Like, how do you sit here and bash the sick? But this bash Taylor Hall. You know, oh yeah, he 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 wanted to go somewhere to win. So why did he go to Buffalo? Um, I don't know. You have potentially an MVP candidate on your team. You're gonna play on his left side, and if all goes, if all else fails, you're probably gonna have a career year on his left side, and you're gonna get fucking paid next year in free agency, whether it's from Buffalo or some other team. Maybe that's why he came to Buffalo. Jesus, for Christ, man, it's insane. Like, I'm, I'm not here to swear. Like, I just, I don't understand, like, why everyone's just so, like, confused as to why Taylor Hall would come to Buffalo. You know what, guys? When your team gets past the first round, then you call 716, you know, 480. I won't say the last four numbers. And then you can come talk to me about why you're confused about this player's coming to play here. Because last time I checked, you haven't done much more than Buffalo in the NHL. It, other than getting to the playoffs, getting past the first round, you didn't even get past the play-in this year, for God's sakes. Yeah, and you know what? On that note, Dwayne, listen, Steve, I have respect Jesus. for you as a hockey god, uh, you know, journalist. Who do I? What? Here's Bush the, League. You know what? You should probably read your book again, The Tortured Leaf Fan, or whatever it's fucking called, because it sounds like you guys have been sipping too much of your own tea. Here's what I have to say. Not once in your video... In the criminally ignorant hockey take, did you mention the appeal of teaming up with Jack Eichel or his old coach, one of the best coaches in hockey, Ralph Krueger? If you want to fight me, I thought he did. I thought he did bring up Ralph. Be able to take Team Europe to the final. Other than that, it's a smart move. You know what? Instead of being locked up like some of your guys and some of your hideous contracts, 
all right, for, you know, seven years of losing every year in the first round, he signs for one year. He's getting paid. Yes, $8 million. Good for us. Good for him because it's a win-win. We either win and, and go past the first round like you perennial first-round losers or – you know what? We ship them on at the deadline. We continue the tire fire. Either way, I'd rather be boomer bust than perennial mediocre team like you guys have just a fucking north of us up the fucking QEW. So can't wait yeah, to shove it up your hoop. Listen, listen, for, 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 the, for the love of Christ, like I, I think he might have brought up like the Ralph Kruger connection. I thought he might have, but like, li- <laughs> just listen. Um, with all, with all things aside, the guy even flat out said, I'm getting paid $8 million to play hockey. I'm good. You know, regardless of whether the teams offered him, regardless of, you know, you know, if we had to overpay, the guy is going to come here. He's going to have a career year and he's going to get paid, whether it's from Buffalo or not. And you know what? I'll pay him because I, I would gladly have a 90 plus point player on Jack's left side because he's yet to have that. And secondly, another thing you mentioned is the Buffalo took themselves out of the lottery conversation. I'm sorry, Steve. I'm not here to be a lottery pick anymore, bro. I'm not here to be a lottery pick anymore. I'm here to win hockey games. I'm here to make the playoffs. I'm here to beat the snot out of the Leafs every time they step foot in my building. And I'm here to, when I'm allowed to go to games again, I'm here to no longer see blue Leafs jerseys all over the goddamn arena. So I'm not here to win lotteries anymore, bro. I'm here to kick the shit out of the Leafs. Let's go, Steve. Let's go. Yeah, well said, Dwayne. And uh, Matthews can sit on it. Smith Smarter can sit on it. John Tavares can sit on it. I don't care, dude. Eichel's going to outscore Matthews. Taylor Hall's going to outscore Marner. Sit on it, Steve. Get used to it. Get used to hearing me get loud because I am sick and tired of hearing this. Like, and it's come from me. Don't get me wrong. I have been the biggest critic of the Buffalo Sabres. But you know what? I am tired of being a lottery pick. And if this move takes us out of lottery contention, then so be it. If I got to squeeze in as an eight seed, so be it. But you know what? I'm here to kick the shit out of the Leafs all year next year. Let's go, baby. Yeah, and I'm with you on that, Dwayne. Uh, I think that to add to that list, William Nylander can play marbles on the QEW because Victor Olofsson's much better than him, and I, I can't wait. That's a bold. That's a bold statement. That's a bold statement. That's a bold <laughs> I statement. I, I know we're just adding a few of the fire, but Dwayne doesn't want to add fuel to fire. That's a first. Um, no, oh. well said. Hey, um, love to see what you have to say to that, guys, uh, because at the end of the day, I, I think. It, Things are trending the right way for the Sabres because uh, it can only get better. But for the Leafs, it feels like year after year, you're constantly disappointed. Fuck, you even wrote a book about it. So, like I said, maybe take a page out of your own book and, you know, worry about what you guys got going. You lost out on Petrangelo. Feel it. Um, so, yeah, it is what it is. Joe Thornton got a lot of respect for him. But, you know, it's tough when you got to lean on these older guys to bring more leadership in when you're supposedly signed the captain, you know, Johnny, Johnny T. So yeah. And his Toronto Maple Leaf PJs and his Toronto Maple Leaf PJ sucking his thumb. Now he's going to do a lot of thumb. He's going to do a lot of thumb sucking next season. (laughs) Oh, especially when the Islanders, especially when the Islanders still finish above you in the standings, mark it down. It's going to happen. That's got to hurt. That's got to hurt. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Johnny. 
No apologize to oh that Johnny. That's right. Um, you know, well said, Dwayne. We covered a lot today. Would love to hear the response from Steve and and company. Um, with that being said, Dwayne, uh, look forward to hear from the arbitration. I think it's uh, you know, it's a good time to be a Sabres fan, guys. Not just because of the recent deal, because it can't get any fucking worse. So, um, here's here to uh, you know, us climbing out of the the NHL basement back to the relevance again. Um, the quick star story I'll tell. Um, my first game against Taylor Hall after the USA Canada, I was with the Niagara Ice Dogs. He's with the, you know, soon to be Memorial Cup champion, Winter Spitfires. Dwayne, we were winning. We were a middling team. We were beating a Spitfires. We're on a 15 game win streak. It's the end of the second period. We're up three to one. Taylor Hall comes to me at the end of the period as I'm skating off. You know, the second period, it's a long way off to the bench. You got to cross. Yep. So we're crossing and he kind of gets next to me. He starts saying, Oh, you don't think I remembered you from uh, us Canada when I scored four. I'm like, well, I only played half the game. Only one of them was on me, jackass. And he keeps chirping me. Oh, I'm going to get a couple this game. So I took my water bottle off my neck cause I'm skating away with it. Right. So instead of chirping him, you know, I'm in the middle of a game. I just spray him in the face with water. No ref saw it. Just me and him was behind everybody. Right. I get off the ice. Nothing happened. Um, our coach comes in to talk to us 10 minutes later. They say, Colin, what the fuck did you do? How'd you take a penalty after the period? I'm like, what, what penalty? You got an unsportsmanlike. So Taylor Hall went up to the ref with water on his visor after this happened and complained. And because it was Taylor Hall, even the refs didn't see it. They gave him a fucking power play. Not that hockey, not in hockey. You can't, you know, water can't come from the ice or from sweat. No, no. They had to be from my water bottle without any video evidence. They scored. Justin Shug scored on the ensuing power play, and the wheels fell off for me. I let in four goals in the third. We lost five to three, all because Taylor Hall fucking went to the ref and was able to convince them that I scored him a water, which I did do. Uh, which I did sure, do. I'm sure, I'm sure that's the only reason they scored four. No, that's not why they scored four. I'm saying they scored <laughs> the first goal. I'm kidding. It's in the first. You know, getting a goal scored on you when you're winning a game in the third period in the first couple of minutes sucks. It's kind of like, uh oh. You know, if you get yeah, once that once that first one first that first one goes in, you you feel the pressure just mount that much more. Well, the reason I'm bitter about it, Dwayne, is because he, he argued his way into a goddamn fucking penalty for getting water scored at him that they didn't even fucking see. All right, that's horseshit. Yep. Fuck you, Halsey, but I forgive you. I love you. And like my brother, said, me. he's buying me a Taylor Hall jersey, so let's go. All right. Hey, what number is he going to wear with the Sabres? I believe he's wearing four. Ooh, what he wore on the fucking O show. Let's get the Windsor Spitfires yeah. all the fucking gear yeah. going. And you know what? And, and you know what, guys? Uh, just a little, a couple of last quick notes. Just want to uh, send uh, congratulations out there to Matthew Woodcock. Uh, you won the uh, Derek Roy autograph picture. Um, I'll be sending that out to you hopefully uh, over the next couple of days. Uh, and guys, you know, obviously you can find us on pretty much any, uh, you know, podcasting platforms between Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, whatever the hell you use. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Give us a five-star rating on Apple and uh, write a review. Uh, tell them how much you loved us. That'd be awesome. And, um, you know, just uh, also make sure you subscribe to Trainwreck Sports and Crossing Swords Podcast, our, uh, our brothers over there. Uh, we, I know we work under the Trainwreck umbrella, but make sure you subscribe. Lots of great content, you know, whatever, whatever your poison may be, whether it's football, baseball, gambling. You're a degenerate gambler. We, gotta, we do a lot with that. So make sure you subscribe. 
and follow on your social media platforms. Yeah, well said. Um, love it. Congrats, Woody. Nice win for you there. Um, and good win for the Sabres picking up Halsey. So uh, that'll do it for us here at Two Goalies, One Mike. Dwayne, look forward to arbitration. Look forward to the next episode. Great show for you, buddy. And hey, hey. let's go Buffalo. This podcast is brought to you by Mitt's Barbershop. Created and owned by a true friend of the program, Justin Gritsky. Mitts is a modern-day barbershop that provides a cool atmosphere featuring some of the greatest barbershops Buffalo has to offer. Come in, enjoy a free beer, play some video games, and get the best haircut in the area. When I asked Justin what sets Mitts apart from the evil chain super-duper cuts that we see at every intersection, his answer says it all. My vision was to create the only true barbershop in Cheektowaga. When customers walked in, I wanted them to get that feeling they got when they strolled into the barbershops of old. The golden era of what a barbershop meant, not just a place to get your hair cut. So if you're looking for the real deal, come on down to Mitts to get the real feel of what a true barbershop is and what it's supposed to be. The clear-cut top dog for all your haircutting needs. Look no further than Mitt's Barbershop. And when you mention that two goalies and one mic sent you in, receive $5 off your haircut that day. Talk about customer service at its finest. Located at 3461 Genesee Street in Cheektowaga, it is located right next door to the 33 Speakeasy Bar and Grill. Their phone number is 868 868- 1424 and their hours are Monday 12 to 6, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. On Saturday they're open from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. and closed on Sundays because why not? Everybody deserves a little Sunday fun day. I want to finish this ad read off by reading a great testimonial from one of Mitt's loyal customers. Tired of the cookie-cutter salons trying to get your attention? Also tired of those men-focused salons? Then when you leave, you feel like you just visited a Supercuts for Men and the haircut isn't any better? Then Mitts is the place for you. Great cut, very professional, great atmosphere. A great place for men to get cut and trimmed up. I'm honestly a little sad I'm only visiting Buffalo because I need something like Mitts back home. You heard it here first. Come on down to Mitts for a great cut and an even better experience. We're happy to have them as a sponsor to the show, and we hope you join us in finding out what makes Mitts just so special. Thanks again to Justin and all the hard work him and his staff do. And without further ado, we'll kick it back to Two Goalies, One Mike. This podcast is brought to you by Better Biscuit. Better Biscuit is a hockey training tool designed to help you develop your game. These fiberglass reinforced pucks are developed to handle less than perfect surfaces, enabling hockey players of all ages to practice their skills in their driveway, basement, or schoolyard, honing their skills whenever and wherever possible. It comes in two different styles. The Better Biscuit Sniper helps players develop forehand, backhand, one-touch, saucer, drop passing, and shooting. Ideal for perfecting those toe drags, puck control, and stick handling. The other option is the Better Biscuit Passer. The passer will help you develop softer hands and help you become more accurate with your passes and stick handling. 
will also help you improve your puck possession confidence for any skill level. Be sure to check out Better Biscuit at betterbiscuit.net for all your hockey training needs. Thanks again for all your support, and be sure to check out Better Biscuit. Now back to the show. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have faults. He had the same amount of faults as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know? And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.